Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode twenty-two of Naked Data Science, the number one podcast for people who lead data science projects and teams. There are a lot of discussions about ethics of AI, machine learning, and other data science solutions. But what can you do about it in your daily work? In this episode, Nima and I exchange our thoughts on this topic. We share why it is important to think about implications first, not technologies. The four principles we use to address ethical challenges, and some practical ethic codes for data scientists. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Naked Data Science. This is how. And I'm Nima. All right. What are we going to talk about this time, Nima? This episode, we want to talk about ethics. It's a topic that's been widely discussed, and you come across it quite a lot in discussions, especially related to artificial intelligence and leaving decisions to machines or letting machines rule our lives, influencing more and more aspects of our lives. And we believe, outside artificial intelligence, even in general, in working with data, driving data-driven solutions, there are a lot of interesting ethical discussions and ethical questions to consider. So, in this episode, we're gonna probably Just touch upon the surface of some of these questions. Ethics—that's a topic quite big. <laughs> yeah, ethical discussions are typically quite broad. They can also go very deep. Even the reason for doing data science and maybe your personal values or personal philosophy about ethics and value in life could come into play. Probably one of the traditional sources where ethics come into play for me in doing data science is the ethics that are involved in doing scientific work. When you talk about scientific work, when you talk about scientific research, there are written and Unwritten rules that are very important and critical. So, for instance, being truthful and following truth is one of the main principles, one of the deepest principles there. Even in circumstances when truth might become an, an ethical value in itself, it could even lead you to some extremes where following truth is even more important than the consequences of knowing about the truth. And I think in science there's a strong tendency towards that kind of thinking. But there are also more More things that come from science and shape our ethics, and definitely also influence data science that we can talk about. Yeah, ethics is such a big topic. I grew up in China. I stayed in China until I was 19, and then I went to the Netherlands to study in university. Up to that point, I have a very limited definition of ethics because when I grew up in China, you were taught one kind of ethics. It's mainly fueled by your love for the country, your love for the greater good, and that is how you are supposed to operate. I work under that assumption for a long time until I took a ethics course in my university. I still remember it was the first time I noticed how broad and how tricky this topic is. The professor mentioned a scenario, which is imagine that there is a ship that is sinking. It's not a very big ship. On the ship, there is a lifeboat. So some of the people will be able to jump on the lifeboat and guarantee survival, while others don't. And here's the scenario: you have a woman. Who think she is six weeks pregnant? You have a lifeguard, and then you have two young couple who recently got married. You have a senior citizen who has fifteen grandchildren. You have an elementary school teacher. You have a pair of thirteen-year-old twins, and you have a experienced nurse. And last but not least, you have a captain of the ship, who gets to go on the lifeboat. And when we had that discussion, I start seeing all kind of different answers from my classmates. Some people say, "Hey, it's very important 
to make sure that the younger generation survive because they will be the hope of the new society and the senior citizens. Well, they had their time. While somebody else say, actually, no, senior citizens should be there because they are beholding the tradition or the knowledge in a society, and therefore they should be prioritized to live. Some people prioritize more for how useful these people will be, right? So a lifeguard is more likely to be able to deal with other further complications in the situation than the thirteen-year-olds. So there are all kind of answers, and the conclusion is that there is no right and wrong answer. It's a very challenging moral situation. But then, if you just think about how this can be applied to any kind of data science or AI-related practical applications, I mean, by definition, data science and AI solutions touches millions and millions of people, and then you will inevitably end up in situations the equivalent of this. But this time is even more tricky because instead of ten people, you have millions of people. That's why I think for the longest time, I try to avoid thinking about <laughs> ethics in the data science and machine learning. And AI. AI as much as I can, but on the other hand, I mean, in our daily work, we did have certain cases. It's not as bad as life and death, but then we did have to make certain choices, right? By nature, ethical questions and moral questions can become very complex. A lot of scenarios can be defined, or maybe can be also faced in real life. When finding right or wrong answers is a very difficult task, and it depends a lot on the moral code that you choose for your life, even your philosophy of life. And in the same sense, I feel with the recent developments in AI and with the widespread use of machine learning and other automated ways of making decisions, we've just raised those questions to the surface. For instance, the scenario that you mentioned about the ship. Now, just imagine that it's not you who has to make this decision, but somehow a machine has to make these decisions. You really didn't change that much the ethical weight and importance of this decision. It's just the form of the decision maker that has changed. But I think there's a little confusion going around that can forget about the complexity of these questions in general, framing them or posing them as very AI-related questions and very data science. Related questions, although these questions are really complex questions to answer in the first place, and of course, adding the AI to the mix doesn't make them easier. The AI hype has become a chance or become an opportunity to shed a light on these questions, and sometimes wrongly makes these questions appear to be emerging just because now a machine is making these decisions. And it's really helpful, I think, for better thinking and for clearer thinking to distinguish what is the complexity of the question, regardless of the decision maker, and how much complexity or how much new topics are added to the mix now because a Machine is doing this decision making. I think you're right. My personal hypothesis of why this AI ethics is becoming quite popular topic or has become a quite popular topic is not only because of how complex the tool is, but also how widely spread. It is. We talk about this last time. I was telling you that you know I got fed up with my YouTube recommendations because over the years I just clicked so many random videos. So then I started a new YouTube account, and then I just selectively add three or four channels and only watch certain type of videos. And then it quickly got into a direction where I start got recommended a lot more videos that are outside those. It's in the area of personal development, and those newly recommended videos seems to me quite radical. At the beginning, but then as I start 
watching more and more from the original people I decided to put in, my mind starts changing. And then at a certain point, I'm open to try out those new recommended videos. And at that point, they are the exact video that I would love to watch. I feel there's something very powerful that YouTube is doing there. On the other hand, we also talk about it, the technology behind it, it might not be something new. It might be something that has been there for a while. But then because of how much content there is right now on YouTube, how many people are watching it, that has kind of accelerated or make this algorithm much more powerful to a certain degree that I start feeling that it predicts what I want to learn. And you can argue that in a certain way, it also shaped my learning on something very personal, on the personal development side of the things. That is why it becomes such a big topic is also because the implication is becoming quite significant. That's the right angle for me to look at the problem, the implications and the scope of this machine or this tool affecting people's lives. And in that angle, it doesn't matter if there's an AI algorithm doing this or there are 10,000 people sitting and manually, individually for each user selecting the next video to watch. I think that's the point which sometimes is lost in conversations. It seems like probably because of some science fiction movies or books and some fears from the past of AI affecting our lives, and we losing control, there's this fear of machines stealing our lives or steering our lives in the direction that they want. But the real ethical questions behind this recommendation algorithm, for me, it's not whether a machine does it or not. It's the implications or the impact of this kind of recommendation to users like you. I agree that the widespread applications of these tools make them more prominent and make more important discussions to talk about. But I hope we can talk about them and I hope the discussion goes in the direction where we don't mixing this scary machine that is doing these things with everything else. Because I think that's kind of muddying the picture and maybe adding more complexity to it than it's necessary. When you look at apply ethics, so you have moral ethics, you have all the theoretical stuff, and then you have to the apply ethics, which is, okay, how do you make certain decisions that has real life impact while keeping ethics in mind? When you think about traditional applied ethics, there are basically three angles you can look at this. The angle we both went into, and it's our first instinct or first preference to do that, is the utilitarian angle, which is you look at the results and you use that as guiding principle in combination with your personal philosophy and whatnot, and understanding the interests of other groups, and then you use that as the guiding light. But then there are two other perspectives when it comes to applied ethics. The second perspective is more rule-based. If you follow that approach to apply ethics, then you will say, okay, we need to set out certain rules. The rules is the embodiment of ethics. There is no ethics without rules. This is where the whole AI conversation gets exploded because the typical answer to these people is, well, it's a black box. You can imagine these kind of people go bunkers. And then you have the third perspective, which is not that common. It, to a certain degree, borders religion, which is saying that what is ethical is what a virtuous agent will do. So think about Confucius. Yeah, what will Confucius do? Again, in AI, you don't have this because there has not been any human being in the history of human who has done the things that some of the AI and data science solution is doing nowadays. I guess the lack of the second and the third one gets a lot of people quite nervous because they don't know how to deal with that. 
There might be some kind of paradox in there. The utilitarian way of looking at things, I think it's more or less consistent with the black box way of thinking because in the end, it's the consequences and the implications that matter. So you can still be dealing with the black box and then judge the ethical status of this black box based on the outcomes that it produces. But when you mention the rule-based or the virtuous agent way of looking at things, I think there is something there that is causing trouble for AI or is stirring a lot of these discussions. And that's probably because some ways of looking at ethics is really mixed with judging intentions, not necessarily just the outcome. So it's not just the outcome of your action that decides on its ethical value, but then the intentions behind those actions come into play. Maybe evolutionary, this is built in, in us in the way that we think about fairness or we evaluate other people, or maybe it's just a cultural factor. And it's also fair to consider people's intentions into account because people also make mistakes. For instance, in our criminal system, it's a lot different whether you premeditated a murder versus a case where by accident, somehow you dropped a piano out of third floor and you killed someone. Which cartoon <laughs> did you watch when you grow up? <laughs> it's a known fact that pianos drop a lot from buildings. You can see a lot of footage on the internet. Obviously, this is a serious conversation and we are treating this very professionally. <laughs> Actually, I think the intentionality is a very important thing. Yeah, I, I also agree with you. I think this is where for the two out of the three people get bankers because there is at least no direct judgment of intentionality in a algorithm or in a data-driven solution. I would say in the few cases we got in ourselves for the thing we develop, we need to recommend certain things for people. And then we do got questions about, okay, how are you doing this? And what is the intention there? Are you just trying to get people to use your product? And I think there what we did is a couple of things. First, we state whose interests we have in mind and what those interests are. Then the second thing is that we explain the method we use as much as possible. Of course, there are machine learning involved, etc. But then fundamentally, you can always look at it as a black box and say, okay, we take these factors into play and we generate this outcome. And if you can say, okay, approximately how important certain factors are, that will be great. But even in unsupervised learning, there are methods for you to get some estimates on how important each factors are. So there's no excuse for you to say, oh, we can't give you any of this. That's just you're being lazy and not doing the work. Then the third point regarding to that is we explicitly mentioned the uncertainty because with most of the data science intensive solutions, there are some uncertainty involved. So what we did is that we also mentioned, okay, how much uncertainty we have in this approximately, we try to give kind of a measurement. And last but not least, in some earlier internal discussions with other teams in our business, we do got into the conversation of, okay, we agree of those three, but we are still not agreeing on how we want to make certain decisions. And this is where personal philosophy, the cornerstone of how you look at ethical situations comes in. For both of us, some of those cornerstones are freedom of choice. Some of the cornerstones are win-win situation. So making sure that whatever solution we create, it should be a win for us. It should be a win for the people who are using it. So I would say those are the four kind of principles we try to keep in mind when we were dealing with practical ethical situations that we came across with. Nima, uh, did I miss anything? I think 
it captures the situation very well, the four things that you mentioned. And probably they can also be summarized or maybe connected to a deeper principle of not misleading people. In that case of the recommendation, I think a lot of the questions, a lot of the discussions were around, is this information truthful or not? That's a meaningful ethical discussion to have there. In this specific case, the intentions that we talked about were typically the intentions of the creators of the algorithm or the intentions behind that specific product. That's a meaningful discussion of intentions as well. And their probably intentions are still important, but could become less important as long as we can prove or we can argue ethically that this product is not misleading, maybe in the opposite direction. It's a useful product for the consumer because it's providing valuable information that would otherwise take a lot of effort from the consumer to generate themselves. And based on A-B testing and other methods, we could also verify that there are signals that are pointing out that this information is valuable. But then that meaning of intention that is involved in this discussion is a bit different from some discussions around intention or interpretability that is aiming to go towards explaining why a machine made a decision. One point there that bugs me a bit is that although explainability is very valuable and you can also make ethical arguments about necessity of being able to explain decisions, I think there's still some muddied water there where the discussions might go towards implying that these machines really have intentions because there's a big difference there, at least as far as we know. And so far, we are not dealing with conscious beings. Are you saying Skynet is not real? Uh, I don't want to crash all your dreams. Oh my God. The point is that rewarding or punishing based on intention still makes sense to me when you're talking about conscious beings. But when you're talking about a machine making a decision, I think it's just extending the way of thinking about humans to machines that doesn't make sense to me in this situation. I think Uh, it's just a waste of time to talk about that. I think rather than trying to assume machines has intentionality or or treat it as such, the four criteria we mentioned, of course, we, we haven't seen all the machine learning and Uh, AI and data science solutions in the world, but at least in the cases we deal with, so on average industry consumer-facing product, I have a quite good confidence that those four principles we use, if applied, can really give you an embodiment of intentions. Some idea of if this algorithm or this machine would have intention, what would be the consequences or what would be the impact? But then there isn't that pointing out to the black box way of thinking, because basically you're looking for those things that look like intentions to in the end predict or explain or have a model of what this machine will output. I think a more useful way to think about that is this. Imagine you have a very young child at home and you have a cat. The young child start putting the cat's hair and then you ask the child, why you do this? The child said, well, I don't, I didn't, I didn't intend to do that. It just happened. You believe him. And then the second time it happened, you ask and the child said, I, I really didn't know what happened. Maybe because in the night I'm, I'm sleepwalking and this happened. And then the third time this happened, which is during the day, you ask him why this happened. And the child said, I, I really don't remember. Now, what do you do? You can say the child has no intention of doing it. And if you trust 
the child. This might be legitimate, right? We both have young kids. I had situations with my kid that they got really angry and they do certain things. But then afterwards, you talk to them, you say, "Why do you do this?" They didn't intend to do it. So、mm. even when human, this could be the case. But then let's just not waste time to talk about what is your intention. What if you just make sure that the cat just don't come to the same home as the kid? Give, give the cat away. What I think is that instead of talking about all those kind of things, intentionality and all this kind of stuff, let's just say, okay, how can this go wrong? How bad can this go wrong? And how do we put in measures to capture the errors when it really goes wrong? How do we put in limits to say, okay? This is how much it can go. That is a more meaningful discussion. Put in monitoring. Put in some kind of long-term records of the recommendations you give, and all this kind of stuff. Look back, right? Don't don't just deploy it and pretend that oh, we had all the ethical discussions and we don't ever need to talk about them again.、Mm-hmm. That's not really the point, right? We work with machine learning. You know that if you deploy a solution, you cannot just leave it sitting there. The saying. I will argue is the way we should think about ethics. Yes, exactly, and that again boils down to the black box thinking, to your general moral code and ethical code about how you think about the world and what kind of impacts do you want to make in the world. Now, all of these discussions, I think, they went too deep and probably bordered on some very amateurish philosophical discussions that the real philosophers can enjoy making fun of. But there are also easier day-to-day implications or recommendations of. Of doing ethical data science, and I think a lot of it goes back to some kind of similarity between data science and physicians or doctors. In the way that you are trusted with a lot of information, but also you're trusted to come up with solutions and recommendations as an expert out of that information. What do you think about that side of things? I think if you have a lot of information and you intended to use that information to influence the behavior of certain group of people, that is typically how you apply machine learning and AI, right? You want to change the world in some way. I think it's super important to keep the interests of whoever. Will be affected in mind. That is absolutely the starting point, and it's really worth having that discussion because a lot of times there can be disconnect between the product side, the business side, and the data science side. And then you know, sooner than you know, data scientists start treating everything as a number. But usually, it's a lot more than that. Usually, it is important to know a little bit more about the other side. It's usually important to have that discussion because otherwise, things can always come back and bite you. It's really important to know the context of the project you're working on, and it's easy also to ignore this. And I've seen a lot of cases where, like you said, we can go very deep in solving a problem and then not really consider what is the real world impact of working on this project. While when you're in business, there are most of the times serious real-world impacts of what you're doing. Of course, most often you're trying to increase the revenue of the company you're working with in some way. But then I found it very useful to take a step back once in a while and see what kind of real change are you making in the world? How are you affecting other people's lives with the product or with the algorithm, with the model you're working on? And then again, I also feel there is some kind of simple ethical code that. Even every day-to-day data science task can follow, and I've come across some discussions about it. But surprising to me, it's not as popular as I thought it should be. 
For instance, as a data scientist, a lot of times you're trusted to come up with a conclusion, with a reading of the data. And there, in my head, it's very important to be as ethical as you can, as accurate as you can, to come up with the truth, to report what is truth, despite of what kind of effect it will have on the people you're working with or you're working for. So you're a messenger of truth in that way. And I think in that sense, you're a true scientist and you should try to be as close as you can to the picture of the ethical scientist whose job is to extract and to communicate truth. And in the same way, there are ethical consequences to the way you communicate things. So I think we all know a lot about things in the same line as how to lie with statistics. You can even make a visualization in a way that makes an improvement much bigger than it actually is in real life, depending on the baseline that you put it behind, or even just depending on the scale you choose to visualize something. And I think therein lie a lot of issues, a lot of corners where you should have a deep principle of being a messenger of truth to do the right thing. And it's not always super trivial to do it's not trivial. And also, it really takes courage to see things as it is, to tell other people about how your result is and what the implication of your work is. Especially data science is a very young discipline, right? So most data scientists hasn't been in the organization for, I would say, more than five to 10 years. And when you are facing business executives or people who have been there for like 10, 20 years, it can be quite intimidating. I think that is the moment it comes. I think it's way too easy and too often for a data scientist to give in to the pressure, to the intimidating situation to say, okay, maybe I just present my result like that. Or maybe I can just not mention this because it doesn't shine the best line. Or maybe I can just massage this data a little bit. Let me just run three more simulations and just let me pick the results. I think these are the moments where you exactly shouldn't do it. This is the best moment for you to build this identity as a scientist, that you are the voice of truth. And that is very important because if you are the one who is working on the data and the solution and you are not the voice of truth, nobody else can be that voice of truth. And trust me, on business and product side, there is usually enough incentives and appetite to further massage the data a little bit or at least present it in a different light. I'm not saying that that's not the right thing to do. I'm just saying that with that in mind, if you start not telling a true story on your side, then it will just go worse and worse down the line until it hits the end customers. Yeah, it's a topic probably we can't go very deep into, but it's one of those things that really puts you on the spot, as you mentioned. And in some jobs, sticking to your ethics might mean you have to leave the job. Sticking to your ethics might at least mean that you might not get a promotion. And these are really tough moments. When I lead the team, I have my own ethical code and I have my own principles where I value this thing above everything else. And this is not the case in every place, at least explicitly that's not the case in every place, but definitely an important topic to think about for every team lead, also for every data scientist and people who work with data scientists. This dimension of ethics is a complicated one, definitely needs a lot of personal maturity, a special type of character, and even a special strength in your character to be able to do it correctly. And that's the sense where I think we get very close to critical professions, like I said, physicians and doctors, or maybe even people who are in law enforcement, where we expect in society from these people to have exceptional ethics. 
at the end, it's a choice. You always have the choice. And I would love to tell you that everyone who doesn't follow a good ethics practice, they all got caught at the end and justice always got served. But that's not the case. That's not how the world works. So there will be times you see people who are ignoring the ethics and they go further than you in life. I have also seen cases where justice did get served and those people fell very hard. But then at the end, it's a choice. And what we hope you do is that you look at what your personal belief is, what are important things for you in life in general, in terms of ethics, and then try to hold up to that as much as possible in your data science work as well. Because other than that, there is no real fundamental virtual agent for you to look up to in data science work. Absolutely. So a tradition of the show, a key takeaway, what would be one thing that our audience can do tomorrow based on everything we said in this episode? I encourage team leads who are hiring to pay a specific attention to gathering information about these ethical side of people who you are hiring as early as you can. And of course, keep monitoring it during the hiring process and potentially after people have joined your team. And after you've defined your own red lines, my takeaway there is to accept no exceptions about ethical issues. At least for me, these were always the absolute red lines. Definitely people can make mistakes. For me, mistakes are not passing the ethical line. But if there are intentional violations of ethics that we all as data scientists should adhere to, my takeaway is to make no exceptions there and to act very quickly in these situations. All right, everyone, that's the end of this episode. Thank you very much and see you next time. See you next time. Just one last thing before you go. If you are not a data scientist yet, but want to become one, you should really attend our webinar. We will demystify the transition into data science. We'll show you the most effective way to build your skills, and we'll advise you on the four possible options you can take to go from where you are to landing a data science job in as little as nine months. Find out more at nds.show forward slash webinar. That is nds.show forward slash webinar. All right, that's the end of this episode. Have a nice day. Thank you.